Well, for those of you that have been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been um, going through um, the scriptures and trying to determine what our purpose is in life. And uh, we started off by saying that for every one of us individually, our purpose is to shine for Christ. Our purpose is to reveal the very image of God. Here on earth. If you will remember back in creation, God created man and woman in the image of God. And until we are back to that purpose, to that end, we will not be complete. Our lives will be unbalanced and incomplete. And our goal as Christians, our goal as a church is to step into that purpose and reflect once again, the very image of God here on earth. And last week, we looked at a, a very powerful text in scripture. Because if we are to know how to reflect the image of God, then we are to look at Jesus. We are to look at him. And if we look at the life of Jesus, we are able to see how and in what ways he acted and what and what he said and how he treated others. And by doing so, we step into his image. We step into his purpose. We are able to discover for our lives individually. We're able to discover for our church what our purpose is. And you will remember that last week we looked at a passage in scripture where Jesus said, When they were holding back the children, he said, no, no, let them come to me. And we see Jesus reaching out to the children and we see Jesus creating an environment where children can not only meet Jesus, but sustain that relationship with him. And so I challenged you last week that part of our purpose in our homes and in this church is to create an environment for our children to meet Jesus and also sustain a relationship with him. Today, we're going to look a little further into what our purpose is as a church. And in order to do that, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Luke. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5. For those of you that are new in the faith... Luke is the third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 5. I'm reading from the King James Version this morning. Luke chapter 5, looking, starting with verse 27. You see, because as we look at the life of Jesus, we're able to discover for ourselves what our purpose is here on earth. Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. How many of us here today are in that position in life? That if Christ was to call us, if Christ was to step in to this room and say, follow me. How many of us are in a position where we can drop it all, leave everything behind, and follow Him? Where are our hearts? Are our hearts attached with our possessions, or with our work, or or with 
all the, the things that distract us. Levi left all, rose up, and followed him. Verse 29. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. I've always wondered, like, how many, really? How many were there? It says a great number. We know that Matthew, the Levi, was a rich man. Most tax collectors were. So he was pretty well off. So he probably had a pretty decent sized home. And I often wonder, how many were there? 20? 50? Maybe 100? The Bible says that there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. In verse 30, and their scribes and the Pharisees complained because his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus says, you know, the well have no need of a physician. No, in fact, I have come to seek and to save the lost. I have come, the Bible says, to call the sinners to repentance. Could this be part of the purpose of the body of Christ here on earth? I would say yes. As his hands and as his feet here on earth, our purpose as the body of Christ here on earth is to reach those who are lost. It's interesting to me that Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. That was his reputation. He was a friend of sinners. That was the talk around town. Jesus, you know, that rabbi, a friend of sinners. Is our church known for that? Does our church here in Frederick have that reputation in the community? You know, that church that sits off of I-70. That church, they're friends of sinners. You take our church as a whole. Across the country, across the globe, include other Christian denominations. Are we known as a church that is friend to sinners? Or have we somehow by our actions and by our deeds have closed the door to those who need to hear the gospel the most? When has this church or when has our church as a whole, as a Christian community become Somewhat of a of a of a country club that only if you have the right attire or the right hairstyle or the right walk or you talk the right way, then you're accepted in. And let me challenge you guys. Would we as a church dare to put a cigarette dispenser out on on the entrance? Oh, no, no. Well, wait a second. We don't want those kind of people here. Let me challenge you. Would we do that as a church? To to welcome them? 
Not that we condone it. Not that we say we, we, we're okay with your smoking. But if we are indeed a church that wants to help people wherever they're at in their journey with Christ. Whether they're babes in Christ or whether they've been Christians for 20 years. We want to reach out and we want to say you are welcome. And if you're sick, if you're struggling with something, then this is the place to be. Because this here is the one place that you're going to find the help that you need to fight off that addiction. This here is the one place that you're going to find healing for your emotional struggles. This here is the one place that you're going to find help from the God on high. Or do people come here and feel like they shouldn't belong or they don't belong. And, and well, let me get my act together first be, before I, I step in through the, through the doors of those church. Or, or do we say, you know what? You come as you are. Because this is the one place that you need to be. This is the one place where you're going to find the help that you need. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to just a, a couple pages over Luke 7. Luke 7 verse 34. Luke 7, 34. This was the reputation of Christ. Luke 7, verse 34. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was the talk around town. That was the reputation that Jesus had, was to go and to help those that needed help the most. Luke 19 Turn with me just a few pages over Luke 19. What a powerful story we read here. Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. How many of you remember hearing this story growing up? Zacchaeus. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector... And he was rich and he sought to see Jesus where Jesus was and could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature. Let let me clue you into something. Every person, whether they admit it or not, is looking for Jesus. Everyone, whether they admit it or not, whether they know it or not, everyone is looking for Jesus because everyone has this God-sized hole in them that only God can fill. And here we see Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, looking and seeking Jesus. But he couldn't because of his short stature. And everyone has their reasons why they can't see Jesus. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's their past, maybe it's been because of their upbringing at home or at church. Everyone has their reasons for not being able to see Jesus clearly. Zacchaeus was short, and it says here in verse 4, So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he took up, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down, for today I must stay at your home. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He didn't say, Zacchaeus, you know, there's a lot of things that you need to take care of. There's a lot of things that you need to straighten up. 
before I come visit with you or, or become or before you come to church. No, no. He says, come, make haste for I must stay with you today at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Folks, let that be our reputation. Let that be what the Frederick Church is known for. Yeah, that church that sits off of I-70 up there on the hill, they're they're all over the place. The byways and the highways, they're they're in the halfway houses, they're they're in the the orphanage homes, they're they're in in in, in, they're at AA, they're they're everywhere. Yeah, they're visiting the sinners of this community. They're out there reaching because, like Mike said in his prayer, we have been privileged to have a ticket, a free ticket that we can give to them that will ensure for them their eternal life. We have that joy. We know that privilege of knowing that our salvation is secure in Christ Jesus who died for us. And now Jesus says, I need you to be my hands and my feet. And I need you to take these tickets to the community and hand them out and invite them to church and and, and share with them what it means to be in Christ. Jesus was a friend of sinners. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 18. It's a passage that we looked at last week. Matthew chapter 18. 18. Jesus is good. I mean, he is really good. He's slick. (laughs) He is. He's slick. And I want to share with you something here in Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came, starting with verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And verse six, remember, we read last week. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. You remember that we kept on reading down in verse 10. It says, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. And here you can picture Jesus sitting down with the little child on his lap. And as he's, he's looking at this child and, and he's saying to this, little, to this little child, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven there are angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. And then he goes into the parable of the hundred sheep, the ninety nine who, who are safe and then the one who is lost. And here all of this with a child on his lap. You know why Jesus is good? You know why Jesus is slick? Because this message has a twofold message for us. That's right. And quite frankly, Jesus does it often in Scripture. Remember in Matthew 24, when the disciples asked him, teach us, tell us the signs of the end of time. What does Jesus do? In his discourse to them, he gives them a twofold message. He says to them, 
And he tells them of events that are going to happen when Jerusalem is destroyed. We know now, as we look back on history, that that took place on 70, at 70 A.D. But the second fold message was actual signs of the end of time. And so Jesus is giving a two-fold message as he's talking to the disciples here as well. And how do I know that? Well, I'd like for you now to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 33. Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 33. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? And if you remember from Matthew, they were arguing about who was the greatest. But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all, and servant of all. And then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little ones, these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, here's the twofold message. We're going to get to it in just a second. But I want, I want you to be clear that we're talking about the same Situation. This is the same instance. In other words, Matthew and Mark are recording the same event. And, and it's proof by verse 42 that says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Almost verbatim, word for word from what we read in Matthew. The reason why we know this is a twofold message is because of verse 38 through 41. And this is what it says. Now John answered him saying, teacher, we say we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because of you belong to Christ. Assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And then he goes into, but whoever causes one of these little ones... To sin, to stumble. But but wait a second, who's he talking about here? Is he talking about the little child on his lap? Or, Or is he talking about the man that they were just referring to who doesn't have it quite all there yet? It isn't part of the fold yet. Who Who is he referring to? Is he referring to the child? Is he referring to the man? Maybe he's referring to both. And in this message, he gives a twofold message. And he says, the children are important. The children need to take a high priority as you reach out. But hidden in this message, he also says, but you must also be about reaching those who are not in this fold. 
you must also be about reaching those who are outside of our inner circle here, who are outside of this circle here. You must be about reaching those who are lost, reaching those who need to hear the gospel. And so when he goes into his old 99 sheep and one is lost, what's he referring to? Is he referring to the child or is he referring to the man, the lost? He's referring to both. A twofold message in this. And you know, I would, I would, I would bet that if I was to continue studying this, this passage, there are probably more hidden messages in here for us to discover. And that's how Jesus is. His messages are just eternal. They just overflow and you can continue to, to, to learn more and more and more. But make no mistake about it. For us here today, the challenge for us here today is to be a church in this community who reaches those who are sick. A community, a body of Christ who are his hands and his feet who are reaching those who need to hear the gospel. I'm afraid to say that so many of us live in a bubble where, figuratively speaking, we live in a bubble where our families and our works is everything that consumes our lives. The pursuit of, of, of money, the pursuit of happiness, and, and we're consumed by this. And God says, if you are to be my image, if you are to be my hands and feet, you need to live outside that bubble. And, and you need to broaden your horizon. You, you need to be out in the streets. You need to be out in the halfway homes. You need to be out at, at, at uh, um, these places where, you know, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the outcast, those that haven't found a place or, or a home here, where, where they go. You know what I'm talking about. That's where we need to be. Because we need to be a church that is known as a friend to sinners. That church, that church there, that is where I can find help. That church there is where I can find healing for the things that I'm going through in life. I'd like for you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Because it doesn't get any clearer than this. Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 31. We're going to read a few verses here, so I pr- just be patient. Follow along with me. Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, 
you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Certainly we all want to be a part of that group. Certainly we all have visions and and we hope that that is what Christ in his glory speaks to us. But he goes on to say in verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, surely I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it. To me, then he will also say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it, did, did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's spelled out pretty clearly what our purpose as a church should be. But what's our excuse going to be when God speaks to us, when God sets before us and, and, he, and he lays it all out? What's our excuse going to be? Oh, God, I didn't have the time. God, I was way too busy. Uh, work and family and, and I was just way too busy to reach out to those in need. What are we going to say? Oh, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the financial resources to give to the poor. There's a lot more than we can give to the needy than just money, you know. Do you remember when as they were walking in the temple and and he was asking for money? What did he say? We don't have gold nor silver to give you. I have something greater. I can give you something that's even better. What's our excuse going to be? We don't have the financial resources. You know, I... I, I do not intend to make anyone feel bad here today, uh, but just it's the rave and it's on the news and I just can't believe it. Batman, three hundred and fourteen million dollars in 10 days. We as a country has spent over three hundred and fourteen million dollars. Hard for me to believe that we're in a recession or that we're struggling. You know, we're, we're crying out, oh God, things are tight. You know, uh, the gas prices are high and the economy is low. But yet you don't see our lifestyles changing that much. What are we going to say, God, we didn't have the financial resources? Well, what would Jesus do? Would 
Would he spend that money? 10, 20, 30 bucks to go see a movie? Or would he give that to feed the hungry? To clothe the naked? To visit those in prison? We have a choice. We have a choice today. Will we as a church step into his purpose for our lives? Step into his purpose for this church and reach those who need to hear about Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 61 we hear the mission of Christ, which I'm challenging you, I'm challenging you with this morning, is our mission. It's our purpose. Isaiah chapter 61, starting with verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed us. The Lord has anointed all of us here today to preach good tithings to the poor. He has sent me. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them. This is our purpose, church. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We are here today through the grace of God. Because thank God that he didn't wait until we had our acts together. Thank God that he didn't wait for us to straighten our lives out before he stepped into this world. But the Bible says that while we were still sinners, he came and he died for us. That is our purpose as a church is to go out and to reach those who are lost. And not wait, not expect them to have to get their act together before they can come through the doors of this church. No, we need to be, as a church, actively involved in the community, reaching out, feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who are naked, visiting those who are in prison, sharing with them the everlasting gospel that we know of. Thank God that he did not wait until we had it all figured out. Before coming into our lives. And we too now have an opportunity. As Christians. As followers of Jesus Christ. To follow in his footsteps. And to step into our purpose as a church. Which is to go. And to reach those. Who are in need. Of Jesus Christ. Will we do that this morning? Will we commit ourselves to reaching out, to maybe taking a closer look at our spending habits or how we spend our time? Will we take a closer look at our, our own lives, our, our lives as a church, as a body of Christ, and, 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 and say, you know what? 
We want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We want to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. We want to, as a church, fulfill his purpose for us in this community here in Frederick. I hope that everyone here today leaves empowered, leaves with with a sense of joy and a sense of expectations as we say, you know what, enough's enough. Enough's enough. Uh, No more worries about my own life. I'm going to worry about the lives of those that need to know about you. I'm going to end by what Jesus said. That anyone who chooses to save his own life will lose it. But everyone who loses his life for my sake will live. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we've been challenged this morning to be your hands and your feet in this community. It's going to take some soul searching. God, we thank you for your spirit working in our lives. And God, I pray as a pastor of this church that we step into our purpose as a church, which is to reflect your image just to reach out to our young people.